one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day for me to say aloha or shalom or hola. Uh, but this is problematic according to a new column in USA Today. A column that says, is it time to stop saying aloha and other culturally sensitive words out of context? Is it really? By the way, a shalom is such a common greeting uh, in, in Israel and uh, among Jewish people and among people in Jesus. Is there something wrong with people saying shalom? Uh, saying aloha, we will get to that in a moment. Is it also somehow uh, worthy of being detained by a security guard if somebody is wearing a T-shirt which says on it, uh, Jesus saves? Is that offensive? Should it be viewed as offensive? Do you view it as offensive? A 1-800-955-1776. And uh, diversity in action. Uh, we have a uh, a piece in the New York Times that actually points out that uh, diversity trainings may be doing more harm than good. Uh, these different issues might be an example of that. One eight hundred nine five five seventeen seventy six. Our phone number. First of all, this piece by David Oliver in USA Today. It begins by saying aloha, hola, and shalom. Uh, These are ways to say hello in Hawaiian, Spanish, and Hebrew, respectively. But just because you can say something doesn't mean it's always appropriate. Excuse me? Uh, On the surface, simple greetings and phrases from other races and cultures may seem fine to sprinkle into our vernacular, inclusive even. But did you know? that aloha doesn't just mean hello or goodbye. It's a greeting or a farewell, but the meaning is deeper, says Meili Arvin, who is the director of Pacific Islands Studies at the University of Utah. Did you know they had a a department of Pacific Islands Studies at the University of Utah? Uh, Utah, the last I saw, and increasingly because the great... Salt Lake is declining. It's getting drier and drier, dried out by drought. But uh, Utah's landlocked. They have no Pacific Islands near Utah. I think part of why this may be a a center or location is because one of the very early missionary efforts in the Hawaiian Islands that helped to determine that the islands would be part of the United States rather than an independent kingdom uh, was from Joseph Smith, the uh, original prophet in the uh, LDS church, um, and which is one of the reasons that uh, you have the Polynesian Cultural Center, which is... But that's, okay, the connection between Utah and Hawaii. The... Um, the director of the Pacific Island Studies at the University of Utah, whose name is Meili Arvin, says, One of my Hawaiian language teachers taught it to me as aloha means recognizing yourself in everyone and everything you meet. 
So that's like everyone and everything all at once. Uh, no, that's, I know, it's everything and everywhere all at once. It's uh, Oscar front runner. If you're not Hawaii, Hawaiian and you say it, it could come off as mockery, says David Oliver. And that's just one word to think about. The use of certain words requires education, knowledge, and the foresight to understand when they should or shouldn't come out of your mouth. Really? Uh, intention matters most, he says. A dropping hola or shalom to someone you know who speaks Spanish or Hebrew, for example, isn't something to worry about. Actively don a fake, exaggerated accent and say those words. Therein lies the problem. Like saying ni hao to some Asian Americans who aren't Chinese. This could be both ordering, othering, and a microaggression. Uh, really? What we need is a critical consciousness in our public uh, around language, says Jeffrey McCune, who's director of the Frederick Douglass Institute of African and African American Studies at the University of Rochester. It's at the University of Rochester because that's where Frederick Douglass ended his life. He's buried there in Rochester. He says, language is too critical to our culture that we don't just casually use language in ways that might offend or even harm do harm to certain groups of people. Let me say it is almost impossible to imagine as a uh, one of the group of groups of people that they talk about in this article, uh, Jewish people namely, uh, I cannot imagine a situation where it would be offensive for someone to say shalom. Okay, if somebody is coming up and they're about to vandalize your Jewish community center by putting swastikas on it, on it and they say shalom, that's offensive. But that's not a usual context. Uh, just basically saying shalom to somebody is, I mean, really? That's, that's offensive? If you say ciao to someone who's Italian-American, is that offensive? Everyone needs context before speaking another's language and culture besides their own, we have a responsibility to be somewhat judicious with our language and to have care for what we do with language. And then they have a, a, a range of suggestions under the heading of think before you speak. It says, first of all, make an effort to befriend people from other cultures. Step outside your comfort zone and talk to people who do not share our values and our experiences, says Sonny Rucker Chang. Associate Professor at the Center for Slavic, East European, and Eurasian Studies at The Ohio State University. You'll likely get a better feel for what's appropriate to say. Uh, ask yourself, what are you saying, why you are saying the term? Are you using the term because you want to say something besides hello or hey? Well, usually. Consider the cultural implications before you do, McCune says. Is it to the benefit of laughter and sarcasm and satire? Or is it a genuine interest in being a part of a cultural community that recognizes the historical meaning and historical significance of various terms? Educate, educate, educate. Whether it's the history of colonialism in Hawaii or other significant historical facts, knowledge helps fight ignorance. Above all, if you feel uncomfortable saying something, don't say it at all. 
without further research or consideration. It will save you and everyone some grief. Now, all this over using the term aloha, and and by the way, is a proclamation of Christian faith offensive if it includes wearing a T-shirt that says Jesus saves? Would any non-Christians, should any non-Christians be offended by that? That's a big issue at the Mall of America, which is, I think it's still the largest shopping center in the United States, uh, in, in Minnesota. And then there's an issue involving the National Hockey League, where a defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers uh, refused to wear a uh, Pride Night rainbow jersey for warm-ups because he found it uh, that it varied with his orthodox faith. What about that? Is that offensive, bigoted, prejudicial, or just somebody asserting his own faith, which you're allowed to do in this country, aren't you? We'll be right back. 1-800-955-1776. Michael. Yes. You sound awful, judging, mean, and nasty. The Michael Medved Show. Call the Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their sleep with my pillow. MyPillow is now offering a BOGO extravaganza on multiple MyPillow products right now. And it is outrageous. America has a growing problem of people being easily offended. The idea that uh, someone might be offended if they happen to be Latino, if you say hola, um, or uh, if somebody is... uh, a, a Asian or Pacific Islander, if you say aloha, can you say mahalo for thank you, which is very common even by howlies. Howlies are the way you refer to white people of European origin, at least by some in Hawaii in the Hawaiian language. But if uh, even howlies can say mahalo, thank you, thanks, but that this is potentially offensive and disrespectful, really. It is a, uh, a bizarre situation. I, I will, um, I will occasionally, when I'm on my way to <laughs> to services on a Saturday, and uh, um, people recognize me. I'm out. I'm picking up litter on the way because I actually believe in that, and uh, it's complicated as to whether. That's even acceptable by Jewish law. I think it is because we have an A roof. We have, but that's a different story. <laughs> that's more complicated. But anyway, when people recognize me, and sometimes I say Shabbat Shalom because they know enough that says Good Sabbath or Sabbath Peace. Uh, offensive? I mean, good grief! And then there is this. Uh, the there was. Recently, the situation of a guy wearing a Jesus Saves t-shirt, and he wore it 
in a, a sacred enclave, uh, the Mall of America. Now, the Mall of America is huge. It's, it's one of those big shopping centers. He was detained by a security guard, and there's a video of this that's gone viral. And the security guard ordered him to take it off or to leave the mall because uh, it was offensive. People would find it offensive. The viral video shows the shopper being ordered to take off his Jesus Saves T-shirt. The Mall of America security guard threatens to kick the man out if he does not oblige. And uh, social media users have reacted with fury. Well, of course, as one said, he should uh, sue the mall. Well, that didn't happen because the man was later allowed to put his shirt back on. He was made to take it off. And I was saying, having anyone take off a shirt in February or January, late January in 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 Minnesota, is can be life threatening. It's pretty cold around there, but I know it's a well heated mall. Okay, so that's that idea, the idea that that kind of proclamation of your faith is going to be offensive to somebody else. Don't we? go too far in this country about drawing boundaries about what's offensive and what's not. There's also this, where there's a, uh, a defenseman named Ivan, Ivan Provorov who um, plays for the Philadelphia Flyers. I am not a hockey fan. Let me stipulate that. I know about the Philadelphia Flyers. They used to be the bullies of Broad Street, but... Uh, okay, there's still a competitive team in the NHL, National Hockey League. And Ivan Provorov was asked to wear a rainbow jersey for warm-ups during Pride Night. And he refused to do it because of his Russian Orthodox faith. And he said, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. He didn't want to wear a rainbow jersey for warm-ups. Uh, this is what he sounded like in this controversy. This is clip 14. Everybody, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would, let, I would answer those. Okay, he's he's Russian Orthodox, so and that's his interpretation. So he doesn't want to wear a rainbow jersey for warm-ups. Uh, there's a Canadian commentator uh, named Sid Sashero who uh, was critical of Provorov's stance on the rainbow jersey. This is clip 15. I think you find the Flyers a million dollars for this. I'm not kidding. Figure this out and stop offending people on nights where it's not about that. It's supposed to be about inclusivity. The National Hockey League need to attack this and figure this out. Because what I heard last night was offensive and didn't make any sense. Because, for instance, if that was a military night, okay? Right. If anyone in Canada or in the States on a military appreciation night wouldn't wear a jersey pregame, do you have any idea the uproar that would have happened on that? Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea the backlash? Do you have any idea what happened on social media? I just think the NHL has to do something here. This is not good enough. This is not good enough. Hockey is for everyone, dot, 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 unless, unless you don't agree with gay rights, is not the phrasing of this. 
You're either in this or you're not. And one last point. Nothing scares me more than any human being who says, I'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs. Because when you looked at people's lives who normally say that publicly, you'd throw up at what you saw. You would throw up at what you saw. Okay. Uh, again, isn't that offensive toward religious people? Uh, then he uh, reiterates the flyers need to face a heavy fine. How ridiculous. Listen. So don't, don't give me that. With respect. Don't give me that because no one's perfect. All right? Don't, tell me, don't, don't feed me the religious beliefs line. And all of a sudden, the NHL is going to back off this. The National Hockey League today needs to find that organization a million dollars and reevaluate how they support gay rights. Because that is insulting. That is the number one trending topic in Canada. That is insulting what happened in Philadelphia. And if the NHL is serious about this, they say they are. We'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see how serious they are today. Okay. Uh, again, um, the, the idea that, that right now support for gay rights, however people choose to construe it, uh, the idea of a pride night, the idea of a rainbow jersey, that this is the equivalent to supporting the Canadian military uh, or the American military or anything else. It, uh, it seems to me that uh, uh, this defenseman Provorov is uh, making some unnecessary trouble for himself. Uh, what if he had just said he, he wasn't going to participate in the practices without making a big point about not wearing the jersey? But for goodness sake, this is one of the things that people worry about and uh, why all, all of the moves, including the Defense uh, Respect for Marriage Act that was just passed uh, and, and signed into law, which suggests, yes, that gay marriage is legal, but there are exceptions there in terms of saying that you do not have to uh, in your private life, your private organization, or even a public organization, uh, go along with the idea of honoring it. Uh, yes, it would be profoundly offensive for someone to wear some kind of... And on the Michael Medved show, uh, I never heard of this uh, hockey player, Ivan Provorov, before. But one of the things, and uh, I, I, go ahead, you can send us a, an email or a call or something like that if you have thoughts about this. The chances are that he says he's not going to wear the rainbow T-shirt during warm-ups uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team, NHL team, uh, because of his Russian Orthodox faith. And uh, Ivan Provorov is obviously of Russian ancestry. I don't even know if he's a U.S. citizen. I assume he is. But uh, could be a Canadian citizen for all of that. But if he's a Canadian citizen, he has to deal with more restrictive free speech environment because, again, they have been pretty ruthless in Canada about shutting down any kind of speech that is politically incorrect or insensitive or you name it. The point about this is, look, part of what is going on with Russia in the world today is the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox faith, Patriarch Kirill, is a big ally of Vladimir Putin. And uh, they both have made a very big issue of their 
opposition to same-sex marriage, their opposition to any kind of acceptance of people who are gay. Uh, that's part of why they have some support on the right. Uh, would I vote for someone like that who was uh, devoted uh, to no? But does that mean that uh, somebody shouldn't be allowed to play hockey? Uh, there are lots of people who take political positions or religious positions that may not be my own, but that doesn't mean that you don't want the best players possible for your team or that you should be fined uh, a million dollars, as the Canadian commentator suggested. It's ridiculous. And uh, the the whole idea, there's so many Seinfeld episodes, and I, I uh, defer to uh, my partner on this show, uh, Jeremy Steiner, pride of Hillsdale College, who knows these Seinfeld episodes, and he came up with one which is kind of reminiscent of the indignation that was expressed here about a hockey player not wearing a rainbow jersey for Pride Night warm-ups, not even for the game itself. And uh, in this episode, Kramer uh, comes uh, to participate in an AIDS parade, an anti-AIDS parade, but he refuses to wear the ribbon. Sounded like this. Listen. Uh, uh, Cosmo Kramer. Uh, okay, you're checked in. Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no, thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no. But you have to wear an AIDS ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to. But everyone wears the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. You know what you are? You're a ribbon bully. Hey, hey you, come back here. Come back here and put this on. Uh, okay, again, uh, you talk about people getting offended and too offended. Uh, around the Martin Luther King holiday, which was Monday, there was an incident in Columbus, Ohio, with a third grader at Shale Meadows Elementary School. And uh, the, the boy was Noah, a uh, third grader. And Noah's teacher read aloud The Sneetches by Dr. Seuss, which was published back in 1961. And... Uh, uh, Noah said, uh, Sneetches with stars, who in the story by Dr. F Seuss, shun uh, Sneetches without stars, quote, sounded almost like what happened back then, how people were treated, like white people were disrespecting black people. Uh, <laughs> okay, the fact is, that uh, not only should we be impressed, this is in a commentary by Jarvis DeBerry uh, for MSNBC, not only should people be impressed that Noah connected a story about prejudiced Nietzsche's to racist people, but we should also take note of him expressing the thought in the active voice using a subject, verb, and object. He said white people disrespected black people. It's becoming rarer that sentences about our country's racist history are structured with such clarity. And uh, what happened was that a number of people, when they were reading aloud on this, um, there were people who were offended by it because they thought that uh, there was propaganda here. 
and uh, that they didn't present the other side in favor of the Sneetches with stars discriminating against the Sneetches without stars. Uh, the, when the show host, uh, the, the school district across the nation are being scrutinized for book selections in our schools on both sides of the spectrum. So they didn't want any commentary from the school district that it selected the Sneetches. I, I don't even know that Dr. Seuss piece. But one of the ironies here is you remember it was actually just a few months ago that people were going crazy over Dr. Seuss being canceled because there were some illustrations and I think that I saw it on Mulberry Street and and other Dr. Seuss books that were clearly racist. They were. They, they had uh, Chinese people with um, wearing, you'll pardon the expression, coolie hats and slanted eyes. And it, the Dr. Seuss Foundation, which actually supervises his legacy, had wanted to stop publishing new copies of those old books with the racist imagery in them. It wasn't book burning. It wasn't suppressing the books. It was basically a decision by the Dr. Seuss guardians of his legacy to try to prevent people from associating some of that out-of-date racist imagery with Dr. Seuss. And now there are people who are upset because there's a third grader who actually does uh, take the right approach from uh, a Dr. Seuss book that they read aloud in class. The um, uh, Jarvis... DeBerry concludes his commentary by saying, uh, the irony here is that the Sneetches oversimplifies race in a way that only a conservative could love. The Sneetches disliked one another, but then one day they realized that disliking one another was too costly, and they stopped. They, meaning those who'd been oppressed and those who'd been doing the oppressing, realized that, quote, no kind of Sneetch is the best, and they forgot about the stars. It's like the content of their character part of a famous King's speech that he says conservatives often quote as if it were an accurate summary of the speech itself. That famous speech was the, uh, the I have a dream speech at the big march on Washington where he said that someday we'll be a country where people are judged not by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. The, uh, the idea that... Um, uh, he uh, he then is uh, concerned about the idea. Nothing about that speech or uh, black people. What he says, many maybe we need Noah, this third grader, to explain to those who misrepresented that King's speech is about the many ways white people disrespected black people and that nothing about that speech or King's life deserves to be treated as a fairy tale. Okay, are, are we basically just making issues of uh, things that are, are basically healthy in our society. Isn't it healthy for kids to get the message that people shouldn't be judged by something superstitial as to whether you're a snitch with stars or without stars? Uh, meanwhile, there are real struggles going on, struggles in American legislatures. We'll get to one of them. And then this horrible helicopter crash.
crash that occurred in Ukraine. That and more coming up on the MedVet Show. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, the latest news from the war of the war in Ukraine, it's the war on Ukraine, because as soon as the attack on Ukraine and Ukrainian territory would stop, the war would be over. It's not a Russian Ukrainian war. It's a Russian war against the people of Ukraine. Uh, Fourteen died in a helicopter crash near Kiev, including the interior minister, uh, his aide, the deputy interior minister, and and others. And uh, this is the way the news, and it's grim news, was covered by Clarissa Ward on CNN, clip eight. This is where the helicopter crashed. The building right behind me was clipped, then the helicopter nosedived into the playground at the back of the kindergarten. We know that all nine people who were on board the helicopter, including this country's interior minister, uh, Denise Ministerski, the deputy interior minister, the secretary of state of the interior ministry, as well as six others on board that helicopter, they were all killed immediately. Also among the dead, children and parents who were just bringing their kids to school here, Don. Uh, I spoke to one woman who said that she didn't see the crash, she heard it, and that when she ran out towards the kindergarten, she saw children being rescued from the scene. Some of them were literally on fire because the jet fuel led to a massive blaze. And when our team arrived on the scene, saw at least four bodies on the ground. Uh, there's wreckage everywhere in there from the helicopter. We've seen them remove some large pieces of the chopper just in the last hour. But so far, we don't know yet what caused this. It was bad weather this morning. Another man said he was smoking a cigarette on his balcony and he couldn't even see. He could only hear the crash because the fog was so thick. But we don't yet know conclusively. Authorities here saying that they are looking into every possible potential angle. But needless to say, a truly tragic day in a country that has already experienced so much horror, so much sadness, and so much loss. It, it is, and, and with the death toll on that apartment building that was hit by a Russian missile, uh, that apartment building's death toll is now 45. Uh, they had originally counted 30. Uh, there are more horrible stories about children dying in that attack as well. Uh, is there... Any indication yet that this is the work of the uh, Vladimir Putin's army? Uh, would it have been a target, this uh, helicopter carrying the interior minister? Yes, he's a very important person in the Ukrainian government. Uh, and the, the role is the equivalent of the Department of Homeland Security. And uh, apparently it's a real loss to the Ukrainian people. There were some inspiring words, and especially considering the source. Um, Sana Marin is the prime minister of Finland, which is on its way to becoming a crucial NATO partner. And this is so significant because people used to talk about Finlandization. Finland was living under the 
shadow and the domination of the evil old Soviet Union because, of course, they're right next door to Russia. But here is what uh, Finland's Prime Minister Sanna Marin had to say uh, about the war in Ukraine. We don't know when the war will end, but we have to make sure that it will end Ukrainians win. I don't think that there's any other choice. If Russia would win the war, then we would only see decades of this kind of behavior ahead of us. I think other countries are looking very closely what is happening now in Ukraine. And if Russia would win, then it would send a message that you can uh, invade another country, you can attack another country, and you can gain from that. Uh, and that is a profound lesson that uh, endangers Finland, Poland, Estonia, Lithuania, and the rest of the civilized world. And it's a message that all Americans should take to heart as well. Another message locally here, the, the police in the state of Washington have been handicapped recently by uh, limitations on police pursuits that were established by the Democratic legislature. The Washington State Democrat Senator Manka Dingra, who is chair of the Law and Justice Committee in Olympia, state capitol, says they probably won't take up a bipartisan, much-needed bill to correct some of these anti-police measures. Uh, note that uh, if she kills it, uh, that uh, this is a bill that goes nowhere without her support. Uh, this is clip five. I do not have the vehicle pursuit bill scheduled in the Senate, and I'll see what the House feels like sending over to me. I think that language is problematic because it takes us backwards to a time when we had innocent people dying because they just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I think what I would be open to is actually, you know, having our uh, CJTC, a criminal justice training commission, actually study that, study it from the perspective of what are best practices across the country. And, you know, right now the, the legislation that we passed is actually um, – policy that a lot of our cities already had. So it's, you know, similar to what Redmond, Bellevue, I think even Spokane had. So to me, it would make much more sense to have the CJTC study best practices, take a look at national models, and come back to the um, to the legislature with a recommendation. I think this uh, policy has become so politicized that people are no longer looking at data or best practices. They're having an emotional reaction to it. Okay, uh, and so much for bipartisan pro-police legislation. This is Pat Lynch, a police union leader, a police officer, and president of the Police Benevolent Association for the City of New York, uh, speaking at a rally today about misguided laws, like some of those in Washington, that embolden criminals and burden police officers. Listen. Uh, clip 12. We need them to repair the laws that they broke that allow us to do the job we're doing. They have to strengthen those laws. Why? There's no consequences any longer for shooting at a cop. We've seen it today. We've seen attacks time and time again where perps know, why be afraid? 
A cop can't even fight back for themselves because of the diaphragm law. You can't hold a person down. You can't safely place them under arrest. We have to realize now the streets are erupting against police officers because the laws are lax. On top of that, we don't have enough police officers. The staffing is worse than it's ever been before. Police officers are retiring in droves, and other police officers are taking this shield off and putting shields of other departments on. We can fix this, but we need the public's help. Okay, and that's New York City. It's far more acute in Seattle, where there's a real police shortage. Not a shortage, though, of films investigating one of nature's biggest mysteries. Listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. After a series of movies trying to pin down the truth of the ever-elusive Bigfoot, there's a new effort by filmmaker Seth Breedlove to locate the big hairy beast in Alaska, arguably the most remote corner of the United States. The resulting film? On the Trail of Bigfoot, Last Frontier. Sasquatches are certainly in Alaska, and they're certainly walking around, and they certainly leave footprints. They're going to be discovered eventually. They're absolutely real animals. The movie is mostly composed of dozens of Alaskans recalling their chilling encounters with various species of Sasquatch in different regions of Alaska. The camera work is often first class with great glimpses of the great outdoors. But though they're on the trail of Bigfoot, they're far from catching up with any definitive evidence. Two stars for the only occasionally intriguing on the trail of Bigfoot, Last Frontier. And no, this film will not be the last one. Word. And uh, they actually do have some uh, fairly well-staged footage of uh, uh, extras in a Bigfoot suit that look evocative, if not totally convincing. Uh, they don't pass it off as anything other than what it is. The, um, uh, the New York Times has a piece asking, if you could choose your college again, what would you do differently? We'll talk about that. And uh, a column by a leading conservative who says, despite everything you think you know, America is on the right track. And uh, with everything going on in Davos, where the world's elite are meeting, that spawned lots of conspiracy theories. What are they? And The Atlantic says American religion is not dead yet. Uh, participation in traditional houses of worship may be in decline, but what about the innovations? We'll talk about that and much more all coming up next time in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.